Proverbs. Proverbs 11. We're going to be looking at verse 24, and just let that kind of springboard us into uh, our topic this morning. We're in this this series on our our seven shaping virtues uh, as uh, as a church. As one 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 way we're looking at this is our family of churches, our sovereign grace as a sovereign grace church. We want these virtues to um, to uh, be in our life in a way that displays the glory of God in the way that we relate to one another. And uh, we've been covering a few of them so far, humility, and um, this morning we're going to be talking about generosity. And uh, I wanted to uh, to mention this, a game on the front end that connects to this topic. There's, there's a game that we play as, our fam- as a family called Imagine If. I don't know if anybody ever played that game called Imagine If. No. Nobody? Nobody's played that game. One one taker. Well, the premise of the game is you play with people that you typically know. You have to know them. And then each person has a vote according to a particular question posed, an imagine-if scenario or, uh, or situation. And if, if the person most likely to identify with that individual, we, everyone who votes, and if, the, if you are the majority vote of the, what that person would be like or this imagine-if scenario, you advance on the board. And so I figured we could do a little, like, uh, you know, congregation participation here. And so I've got a few participants already planned. I've talked to them. They're not going to get embarrassed by this. Um, Maybe they will. Maybe not. Um, But uh, here are four players. Imagine we're in a room. We're all playing. And these names are on the board. And you, as a a crowd, are going to vote on who is most likely to be these scenarios. So Dave Castilla is on the board. Um, Tim Schilling is on the board. Allison Whiteman is on the board, and Jerry Anderson is on the board. Okay, so here we go, the first one. Imagine if we were break dancers, so all of these are break dancers. Which player would be the first to break a limb? All right, on a count of three, you're going to call out the name. One, two, three. All right. Tim, that's wonderful. Okay. Now imagine if we all got into an argument. So this group gets into an argument. Which player would insist on hugging it out to ease the tension? All right. One, two, three. One, two. Allison, uh, kind of Allison Dave, Ty there. All right. All right. All right. Imagine if we were in class together and we found out we'd had a substitute teacher that day. Which player would be the first to shoot spitballs? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, imagine if we were squirrels hiding nuts for winter. Which player would forget where they were buried next spring? <laughs> oh, Dave. Yeah. So that was great. So I, admit, I, had, I would encourage you to check out the game. It's a load of fun, and it, sometimes it's very embarrassing and difficult to swallow. And this will be an example for me. Years ago, I was playing with some friends, um, and uh, the, the question came up on this one. Imagine if we went out to dinner. Which player would be the last to reach for the tab? And it was, it was a full war. Everybody put me down on that list. Yes, ouch. That's exactly what happened. It was ouch. I appreciated the honesty. I, 
I thank them for that, but it it hurt. It hurt. It hurt because it yeah, it 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 uncovered something in my in my heart and in my life, the, a particular virtue that I needed to grow in. Um, and you know, hopefully, I don't know, it was probably eight, ten years ago we played that, and by God's grace, hopefully I've grown in that virtue. Uh, but this this concept of generosity, of being generous, is something that God's people should be marked by. The word generous is showing a readiness to give more of something as money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. Showing kindness towards others to be lavish or bountiful. And as we've been considering these virtues, uh, we, 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 we would want people to identify us with us. So if it was an imagine if, who is humble? Imagine if who is uh, full of gratitude? Imagine if who is generous, we would want people to say, those people are a generous people because it reflects the generosity of our God. This Proverbs 11.24 points to a reality of generosity. It says this, one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. I mean, what a reversal. You withhold, you think, you think that somehow this saving up is helping you, but in the end, you're poorer. The one who gives freely is the one who, in turn, has abundance. I, I heard a, a helpful teaching by uh, Pastor Tim Keller, who you, likely many of you know. He passed just about a week ago with a long batter, battle of cancer. Pastor to church for over 30 years. I've been so impacted by uh, Pastor Keller's ministry, his books, and, and what he modeled for me is this exceptional, beautiful generosity that I've learned to grow and understand through the grace of God. But he was pointing to this text and was helping us see a reality of, of what this means to be generous. And uh, this Hebrew word here, gives freely, we don't really have the same d- description in the Hebrew, but it, it means to, to scatter. It's actually an agricultural sort of word, to distribute, uh, to spreading, it's a, it's a sharing. And, and it's sort of being excessive in that. And the difference here is usually the other words in Hebrew that would point to giving or give would be the the Hebrew root word natan, which if your name is Nathan, uh, it means to give or gift. Uh, So the picture here is in a gift is you would be given something. So I take this and I give it to you. So this one, this movement, I'm taking this thing and I'm giving it to somebody else. This, this picture of giving freely is, just, this, is a concept like this. I'm just I'm dispersing. I'm, I'm letting it go. I have, it's not in my hands anymore, and I'm letting it freely be scattered. This is the picture that this proverb gives us, lavish, bountiful sharing. And when we do that, there's gain. There's blessing. You hold on. You hoard. You actually lose. I mean, it's, this is a really a paradox. It's actually a paradox within the kingdom of God that we see through scripture. Jesus taught that to be great, we need to to come as a child. To be exalted, you need to be servant of all. To be low is to go up. To be poor is to be be rich. And this is is the picture of this wisdom, uh, the wisdom in this proverb, and really a picture of the generosity that we see in God's kingdom. But but what helps us be this scattering, giving people? Well, as we've been tracing in these virtues, these begin with God. They're, they're rooted in God. God gives generously. He is generous. And we see this from the beginning. Our triune God shared his life and his love with uh, the Father, Son, and Spirit with creation. 
his generosity and his creating, his disclosing, his revealing, the sharing of himself. He, he's not stingy. He's not, he never withheld. Acts 17, 25 tells us he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. That is, that is generosity. And ultimately, his scattering and his sharing is displayed in his grace and love revealed in his son. God the Father, who so loved the world, gave his son. And the son so faithfully gave his life to redeem sinners. And God the Spirit comes and applies that good news, gifts us with his presence, awakens our hearts to his love and his life. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he, what? Gave. He gave. He gave. He gave his only son. And if he did not spare his own son, how will he not with him graciously give us all things? We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. Yet he chooses kindness and his mercy and his grace to generously love. Giver of life, giver of truth, giver of his spirit, giver of his presence, giver of his, his wisdom, right? James tells us he gives generously to all without finding fault. James 1, 1, 5. Giver of peace, ultimately giver of Christ to all his riches, 2 Corinthians 8 tells us, Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So what makes us generous people? We need something to happen deep within our hearts, not moved by guilt or shame or, or videos of, of people in poor countries. We, we need something that, to take place deep within our hearts that loosens our tight grip on self and idols and things and it is looking at the gospel of Christ, the giving of his life, the lavishly sharing his glory and his grace as a triune God. And so it releases us from the things that we would put our trust in, right? Our, our money and things or the things we look to to find identity in, like our wealth, rather than Christ himself. But we look at him and it frees us. And Keller would, would, Tim Keller would comment, the solution to stinginess is reorientation to the generosity of Christ in the gospel where he poured out his wealth for you. This is, this is where we go. This is what we look to. And because generosity is marked by, uh, it, it marks God's people, it comes through us continually reorientating ourselves around the generosity of God in Jesus Christ, the beauty of that, the power of that, freeing us from ourself to freely give and scatter. And so then we become generous people like him. Randy Alcorn says, gaze upon Christ long enough and you'll become more of a giver. Give long enough and you'll become more like Christ. We gaze upon his grace and it unleashes us. It unbinds us from ourself to give like he does. And, and that in turn reflects an abundant giving. He gives freely to us and abundantly to us, so then we become those who give abundantly. Remember that picture of just sort of scattering or just letting it all go. So our generosity looks abundant and even extreme. And at times, and you, for all of us, it will look, that extreme will look different. Meaning, remember the widow's mite that she gave. It was very little. It was pennies, but for her, it was an ultimate sacrifice. So... It's going to vary, but it's going to look abundant and extreme for us in what it is. It may be money. It may be our time. It might be our hospitality, but it's going to look, it's going to look lavish. People can look at it and say, wow, that was, that was intense. That was extreme. And that's the principle of sowing that the farmer 
images uh, give us. Apostle Paul would even point to in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So our generosity reflects our God's generosity, which is abundant, and so it is bountiful in our scattering. And then it's also a how we do it. So it's not just abundant, it's also how. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, God loves a cheerful giver, right? So our generosity is marked by joy. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, and he was encouraging them to give towards the mission of God. And if you remember, we looked at this quite a bit when we were in Philippians, and he, he reminds them what the, that those churches in Macedonia did. And he tells them, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundant and their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Abundance of joy in their extreme poverty with a wealth of generosity given. What, what can make that possible? Only reflecting and dwelling and orientating our, ourselves around Jesus. The abundance of joy. Because it was how he did it. Jesus said, for the, we know for Jesus, for the joy set before him, he embraced his cross. In the wealth of his generosity, we're clothed in joy. And there is a return that we experience. Proverbs eleven twenty four points to this. But this return, this gain isn't, it's not the false gospel that's seen in the prosperity gospel where I sow my seed and somehow I'm going to get rich or I will get my, my dream car. But our, our return, our blessing is a spiritual reality. At times, God will bless us with abundance monetarily if we give. That does happen. But ultimately, it, it in our giving and time and hospitality or finances, the fruit we're sowing to is spiritual and eternal, meaning we are hoping people are experiencing Christ. They're experiencing his love, his kingdom, and in turn, we will experience more of his kingdom and his, his love and become more like our Savior. And this, in turn, is praise to God. Second Corinthians chapter 9, again, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God overflowing in many thanksgivings to God because of the surpassing grace of God upon you. So we've experienced the surpassing grace of God, and we give generously, and it produces thanksgiving to God. For us to be generous, all from him, freely scattering praises to God, joy for others, we experience blessing, but it, it is not with a goal of love for ourselves. But our giving, we always have to be asking questions about our, our heart's motives. Charles Spurgeon told a story about a king and a farmer and a nobleman. So, story, little kids, everyone clue in? Here we go. Once upon a time, there was a king who ruled over everything in the land, and one day there was a gardener who grew an enormous carrot. Say enormous carrot. Enormous carrot. And he took it to his king and said, my king, my lord, this is the greatest carrot I've ever grown or ever will grow. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. The king was touched, and he discerned in the man's heart as he turned to go. And the king said, wait, you are clearly a good steward of the earth, and I want to give a plot of land to you freely as a gift so you can garden all of it. The gardener was amazed and delighted, and he went home rejoicing. There was a nobleman at the king's court who overheard all this, and he said, my if that is what you get for a carrot, what if I gave the king something better? 
So the next day, the nobleman came before the king. He was leading a handsome black stallion, and he bowed low and said, My lord, I breed horses, and this is the greatest horse I've ever bred and ever will. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. But the king discerned in his heart and said, Thank you. Took the horse and simply dismissed him. The nobleman was perplexed, and the king said, Let me explain. The gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. He gave for himself, and this is not what gospel generosity does. We give for others. We give for the glory of God. God knows our hearts. In order to giving, Jesus teaches us, don't let your left hand know what your left hand is doing. So it removes all our boasting so that he gets all the glory and others get joy. A couple summers ago, my neighbor had a, a garden he was growing, and he, he yelled at me over the fence, and he handed me this big old box of all these goodies that he had, you know, grown in his garden, and it was, you know, all kinds of vegetables. We made salsas and stuff from that and salads, but one of the things he handed me he was growing was a stevia leaf, which is a leaf that they dry out, and you use that for, for uh, sweetener. I had never had, like, fresh stevia leaf before, but he encouraged me to put it in my mouth, and I don't know if you've ever done that before, but I ate this leaf just right off the stem, and it was amazing. It was like one of the sweetest things I've ever tasted. I'm just like, this is natural. How does this, how is this just grown off of a leaf? And that, that experience came to my mind. I thought about what that looked like for generosity, right? This, this picture of sowing seed in this abundant thing, this natural thing was grown, and it was only natural for him to just simply give from what he had received from that. And the experience that somebody has when we do give generously like that is just sweeten their life. We're blessing them. It is joy. There is joy in that giving, a blessing in that joy. And as I consider that experience I have had and witnessed among you, Cross of Grace, is, is your generosity. You are a generous church. And you bless and sweeten the lives of others as you give generously. May the Lord increase us in our generosity like him. So imagine if, imagine if what, somebody would say, who is the most generous person you know? At our workplace, on our streets, our neighbors. May, may we be people that would be increasingly known as ones who are ready to scatter, to, to let go of what is not even ours to begin with, to, to, to make much of Jesus in that. And people would say, well, why? Why were you being so generous? And we would get to just tell them about the generous, generosity of our great Savior. So may our generosity continue to increase and be marked with humility, marked with abundance, marked with joy, uh, free open hearts ready to, to scatter, to scatter God's love and grace towards others with our possessions, with our, our time, with our, our money, with our, our homes. And, and as we will do it, I think it will point to what Paul said. It will produce an overflow with thanksgiving and praise to God. We want that. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you for your generosity towards us in your son. You, you did not withhold your son, but gave freely. You so love that you gave. And our response and our generosity and our giving is, is really a, a, an experience of, uh, an overflow of an experience of that experience of generosity in your son, Jesus. And so let, let us think deeply and believe deeply and transform our heart and our thoughts so that we would be those like this farmer just ready to to just scatter 
the gifts that you so readily give us and so that others would share and know in your generous love and grace. We ask that you would do this for our joy, Lord, for others' joy, and Lord, for ultimately your glory. Amen.